bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus, everyone. I'm Britta Wettling, editor-in-chief of Bits and Pretzels, and this is a new episode of our podcast. And if this wasn't exciting enough already, we actually just about to kick off our Bits and Pretzels networking week in just a couple of days this Sunday, welcoming Slack boss Stuart Butterfield, Ariana Huffington, and more. To celebrate this, I've invited a very dear and longtime friend of Bits and Pretzels to this episode, who is going to host our Story Behind session on our platform, where top founders share the background story of their companies, as well as best practices. And his name is Max Wittrock, who is the co-founder of German breakfast cereal brand My Müsli, which was one of the first companies to allow customers to create their own breakfast cereals and turn into a business with 60 million euros in yearly revenue in the peak and over 50 physical stores in Germany. In this podcast, Max shares best practices from his 14 years experience in the startup ecosystem, including his ABC for product market fit for founders. From finding the right idea for your startup to testing and proving your business thesis in the markets. Don't look for like the billion dollar market opportunity because you might be like, oh, real estate, you know, that's a big market. But tons of people are already doing real estate. Look for a niche market that you can really kind of conquer more easily than a big one. Hey, Max Wittrock, thanks for coming on the Bits and Pretzels podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because obviously we are in the middle of kicking off our Bits and Pretzels networking week and you are one of the hosts. Yeah. You want to host some sessions, uh, you know, a story behind uh, format, which is like pretty awesome. So thanks for, you know, being part of that. Um, you know, they're like some really interesting entrepreneurs on stage. Julian Tans from Booking.com, you will interview her and several others. Is there somebody you, you look forward to talking to specifically? Anybody? Uh, you are like mostly excited about? That's of course a very unfair question. Um, no, but but uh, the real honest answer, there is no one in particular because I think that the whole format is about really discovering the story behind people and, and their companies. And I think that's so cool. What's, what's so cool about starting a company that every story is unique and it sounds like this typical marketing answer that I prepared for the podcast. But you look totally unprepared to just give you like a quick heads up here in the audience. No, no but it's, it's, it's the honest answer. Like I think that everyone has a very unique story to tell and I think that we managed to get like a like a cool group of people that like like as a whole will will definitely yeah give you tons of inspiration and when if you want to start something or if you already are on that journey and you also look into some of these stories in your own podcast right that you just started it's called pizza society what what's this name about and why did you came up with this name we we talked about the fact obviously that you first started my muesli which is in the food community such to say and now you come up with a pizza society uh so what's like the the reason behind this so it's a it's a german speaking startup podcast it's called pizza society that's right and i'm going to reveal the name that the secret behind the name in episode 50 i think which will <laughs> i'm i'm at seven now so that gives me like 43 episodes to practice now i've it's it's been It's been a lot of fun to to kind of learn new skill, meaning how to edit a podcast, how to edit audio, how to tell a story in, in that, that format. And um, yeah, it's 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 cool. It's it's a it's a cool side side project, side hustle, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And obviously, 
it's interesting to talk to you in this podcast also about your story behind. You obviously one of the co-founders of My Muesli that started in 2007. Uh, you left last year and now you are up to new adventures, such to say, with this podcast. You're obviously also a DJ, you're a photographer, and you talk and give advice to, to entrepreneurs um, regularly, uh, you know, in keynotes and on, on stage. And something that I found very remarkable that you said when you left was that you are more the clipboard type. Um, and that you're not like the person who wants to stay at a, with, with a company uh, once it's like this global, huge company. So, so talk about your thinking uh, of why, why you actually left. So I think what's important to understand is that I have two wonderful co-founders, Hubertus and Philip, who are really entrepreneurs at heart and who really are so good at, at scaling something, at developing like an, a, a vision that always keeps growing and growing. And really, they, 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 uh, along the years, they, they grew themselves so much. As it, and and it, it, I, I had the kind of privilege to learn so much from them. And what I realized is that, like, it's not that um, I'm looking for, oh, this is boring. I need something new, exciting. It's more about, I... I realized that like the early stages of a startup where you really sit in front of Photoshop yourself and you design a flyer and that's what really kind of kicks me. And and since my Muesli is a very mature company with, with lots of wonderful potential ahead, it, it for me it felt like, and that's something um, since they're two very dear friends um, and, and not just co-founders, that's something we have been talking about for a while. And for me, it just felt natural. As you said, I have a lot of interest and I just wanted to pursue some of them. And knowing that that those two, like that my music is in such great hands, um, our baby, so to say, um, I really felt like, hey, I, I just want to try smaller things. And that's that's really what's behind it. And it I, I just don't like the narrative um, like th that some people like to paint like oh it wasn't exciting anymore he needs something right. that, that that wasn't kind it's, of the it's, story it's, you know it. it's different kind of excitements right it's different stages that you go through as a founder right every every stage has its own perks and i think your skills have to align with like what's next and i right. think that in in the case of philip and hubertus they are really really good at like um, like I, I think there's a there's a watch commercial that says like don't don't break under pressure you know right. that, that says like yeah, it's one of the luxury brands but we don't uh, have advertising yet in this podcast so we're not naming the um, brand and since, since I don't remember the brand it's it's, it's <laughs> I I can't even reveal it but uh, don't crack under pressure that's the tagline and and so it's they're really good at like you know like like keeping it growing and 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 and, and maneuvering it and. I I think I'm really good, like my skill set, I'm really good, like when it comes to early stages of startups, when it comes to, you know, really, really doing, doing lots of stuff. And that's what my heart also aligns with. And that's, I think, why I, for example, started a podcast, because it's like, it's fun to read a blog article, like which audio editor is the best, like, okay, let's try three of them and then let's learn. And, and yeah, it, that's just something that really... Yeah, it makes me happy. What do you find fascinating about this early stage uh, status, this early days? I think that like when you when you start something, 
I used to be a, a journalist, which sounds like I, I didn't have like a 20-year career in journalism. But, but you like, had kind I, of a career. Right? I finished an apprenticeship in, in journalism and, and, and did f f most like mostly like local news reporting. And what you learn as a journalist, maybe you'd confirm that, is like you, you develop an interest for like lots of topics and you... It's, and it's always fun, like when you have a deadline at six and you start working on something at nine, you you kind of have to dive into what what's it like running a marathon within the next five hours and write about it. And and that's really what excites me, like learning new skills and, and really being, it's hard to find the words as a non-native English speaker, but like diving into like a new skill set and not being the best at it, but like getting something done reasonably quickly. I think that's what describes And trying new things, right? In this early stage of a startup, you can try different things. It's all like very like basic hands-on work. Uh, you are involved in all different kinds of the business. It's same with us, right? So everybody's like helping out each other. You have the opportunity to look into different layers of the business. Where else when you scale, you probably just have like one vertical um, of the business. That's probably a difference uh, as well. What was the first thing that kind of changed once once you were like kind of out of the company? I, th I think one of the things I enjoy is like when is to to not having to to tell everyone like how I spend my days, you know, like meaning that it, it like was being really scheduled. Like I was also in, in, in charge of PR together with with great colleagues. Then, like, like obviously, a lot of people ask you, like, on a on a daily or weekly basis, like, oh, what's what what lies ahead, and 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 what are your plans, and 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 you 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 kind of always have to answer these questions, and so I really enjoyed not having to answer like questions, like being able to like dive into a project without anyone asking, um, and so I think what I can say is that. Um, of course, due to the um, due to the corona situation, the the pandemic, um, that of course I I kind of had my year planned a little differently. Like I wanted to travel and and and, and think about some stuff and, and like go to places where I've never been before, take some pictures there. I want to to work on on some music stuff and and, and that. But yeah, I guess that um, the majority of people listening um, will will probably say when when asked like. Yes, I also had a different year in mind. And I think that's something we all have to deal with. Right. And one thing that you do, besides all the things that you just talked about, is you also give, give lectures, you give advice. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about something that I found, found interesting about your career, which is um, how you actually find the right product and how you actually find the right market. Uh, because uh, I think, you know, when you're in this early stage uh, situation as a, as a founder, uh, this is like the first thing you have to figure out, right? Do I have the right product? Do I have a market? And how do I bring both of these things together? Uh, which, which I think is remarkable because, you know, back in the days, like today, it's like, you know, delivering cereals, you know, having, uh, uh, which you did with, with my muesli in 2007 was not at all, you know, something that people did, right? Today, everybody's talking about healthy um, nutrition and, you know, vegan and tofu and, you know, me coming back from California, it's, you know, you can have like everything there, like paleo and whatnot, but it was like really pretty early. So, so talk about how you realized this was a great idea and what other entrepreneurs can can learn from that and how you then moved you know from having the right idea to to finding the right market fit in this very early days well 
I have to I have to think about how to structure my answer. So because of course, like you will never know. Yes, this is like in terms of you will never know this idea will most definitely work. But I think for once, like like you at, at some point you will feel this idea feels right. And I think that's that's a very important fact. And like people like they they, they will they might turn off their podcast app now and be like, oh that's that that's kind of not no not brainer. so new advice. But think about it. Like how often do you really ask yourself, how does that really feel like um, if it, we're, we're, we tend to be good at like really modeling things, looking behind the rationalities of things like, well, is this a good idea because so-and-so said that this could, but like close your eyes and, and really think about like, how do I feel when I think about it? How do I feel when I imagine myself doing this and that? And looking back at the My Muesli story, you have to remember like nowadays, like having customized food offerings. So if you've never heard of my muesli before, it's a website where you can mingle your very own muesli. We ship it to you. You have 566 quadrillion um, different combinations, more than that, actually. And think 2007. So we just graduated from university almost. And then you tell people like, we're going to offer custom mixed muesli. It's, It's not like people... Were, were being like, wow, this is such a great idea. Everybody was really negative about right. it. And, but for us, it felt really great. We just, we didn't know whether it would work. We didn't know what it would look like in three years time, but we knew it just felt good for us. It felt like an idea worth pursuing. And I think that is extremely important. Investors would also recommend you to look for a big market. Is this something that you did as well? Did you, you know, run numbers? What's like the next strategic step for me as an entrepreneur? I think I'm, I'm bad. I'm all bad with names, but I think it was Paul Graham from Y Combinator who wrote that famous essay about like startup ideas. And it, I think it's in that essay um, and, and you can find lots of YouTube content from him about that as well, where he says that, well, don't look for like, the, the, the billion dollar market opportunity because you might be like, oh, real estate, you know, that's a big market. But tons of people are already doing real estate. And I think what he says, if I'm quoting him correctly, is that like, look for a niche market that you can really kind of conquer more easily than a big one. And, and with, with my muesli, I mean, we were very young when we started my muesli um, compared now. So we were like 23, 24. And, and back then we really didn't think about like how large is the market for mass customized muesli. For us, it was more like that's really a product that we want to see, that we want to see happening. But that's what I would recommend people like, like your market, your target market that you imagine might sound very niche, might sound obscure maybe even. But if you manage to be market leader in that market you know the next one could just be around the corner and don't always like because you'll end up in analysis paralysis when you always think like can i be global in three months um, right do you think that's you know something that's too too much on entrepreneurs mind these days i think it really depends on your skill set like a, like a friend of mine once put it put it this way he said there are people out there with two brains. Like they, they have this brain where they do the same stuff that we we all founders do. Like, oh, this button would be cooler in green. I looked at the data, like like yeah. the, the data stuff. But they also see stuff that we we don't see. Like there's 
there's a Mark Zuckerberg that says, I want to buy Instagram for $1 billion. Everyone is like, um, wow, that's like, a, let's see if that works. But suddenly it turns out it's a great acquisition. So um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is like, ask yourself, like, where are my skills? Like, am I really the, the, the big visionary? Is that something I feel, I feel comfortable with? Or does it feel more comfortable for me to, to like start out in a smaller niche? Because I think that starting a company should also be about like, of course, you have to step out of your comfort zone to do something like that, but it should feel good. Like it's a, it's a journey. It's, it's like taking a cool trip. And you have to do it a long time, you know, and you run into situations that are probably, you know, difficult or like tense. I mean, you mentioned that your idea got rejected many times. Many founders deal with, you know, I don't know, pressure, the current situation with Corona, you know, uncertainty, uh, what and whatnot, right? There are like so many obstacles on the way. So you have to be passionate to, you know, follow through and, you know, really stay on board. You understand, right? That's like the thing you, you think it's important. Exactly. Because I think it's not like it, like, I think his name is Alan Schaller. He's a photographer from, from London. And he, in a talk, he once said like, it's not difficult to take great to take a photograph per se. Like if you put a five-year-old in front of a violin, he's not going to be able to, to produce anything of value like to a musical ear. But if you give him a camera and you teach him for 30 minutes, like he's going to take a picture. Same goes for most startups. Like the, the basic skill set you need to, to start something if you're like able to write emails and, and, and like, and, and, and have some, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's like, It's like manageable, like you, you can make a to-do list, but the hard part is like really staying with it, like really knowing when not to give up, but also like knowing this is not the right path to pursue. And I think that for me, I mean, people might disagree. I'm, I'm not a scientist, but there, there might be tons of research about this. But like for me, that is like the really difficult part to like when everyone around you says, Why did you quit your consulting job? Why did you do that? Why did you move? How did you react on that? I mean, I, I just remember, I just pictured the situation, right? You have like three guys in Passau uh, who have this crazy idea in 2007 to, you know, start this company. Um, like, did you talk to each other? Did you have like, I don't know, like a Kummerkasten or something that you, where you kind of shared, you know, your concerns? I mean, at some point you must have had concerns as well. So... A lot of people ask me, what's the best kind of time in my life to start a company? And there might be tons of views on this, but my personal view is as early as possible. Because back then we really didn't think about things like, oh, how am I going to afford a mortgage? How am I going to afford insurances I didn't even know I need? How like Back then, um, like right after finishing university, it, it was really like we didn't have much overhead. So, so we didn't really think too much about that. So, so we were like, well, other people are taking a trip around the world with a motorcycle. We're, we're starting a startup. If it doesn't work, we can still tell, tell a great story. And I think if you, if you pursue a career, you will learn hopefully tons of cool things that you can apply to starting something. But there's a very big obstacle you have to climb. And that is like getting out of that comfort zone that you already established for yourself. And people tend to upgrade stuff. Like in university, you'd, you'd write with a ball pen and suddenly you think, I need a $200 pen. Right. And, so, and so it's like, 
you like all this stuff changes Why? and you know, right. exactly why um but we've all been there i think like everyone has these like um has these things that that like a new phone or whatever that he thinks he needs or she needs but and and what i what i what i think is that like back then we didn't really think too much about that stuff but if i would start my muesli to Day together with Hubertus and Philip, we might ask ourselves that question. We might work in a consulting firm and be like, can we really afford to start something like that? Or should we rather pursue like a, a starting a business, say, in finance? Because then the next recruiter will be like, oh, it didn't work, but at least you acquired some finance skills. Right, you know? because he would say you need the certain naivete and the certain, you know, fresh spirit, to, you know, just get started. I don't have any, you know, baggage or like any package exactly. um, that I have to deal with. Um you know, the third part of, you know, finding product market fit is obviously testing and proving and then iterating. So so talk about what, what you learned uh, there during your time as an entrepreneur. Once a year, I teach a, a seminar at the University of Passau about like how to find your startup idea. And that always kind of when I prepare for that, I always have to dive into startup literature. And if you look at Steve Blank, like who really pioneered the lean startup movement, he wrote a great book that I honestly didn't cherish that much at first. It's called The Four Steps to the Epiphany. Um, then he says like that the biggest mistake you can make is like be like one of those large corporates where like they sit in a small room, they develop a product for two or three years. They never ask anyone if they actually want that. And then suddenly, um, you know, the product comes out and no one wants it. As opposed to the lean startup method um, that, that Eric Ries really made famous, um, and, and which is like, hey, always adapt, always. And that's, I think, we accidentally did that at My Muesli. Like we just send something out, we printed the labels, for example, of the bed, like we printed them on a regular laser printer and, and we just tested it, right. we tested it, tested. But back then, of course, we didn't know, oh, this is the Steve Blank or Eric Ries method. We just kind of worked on it. over to our Bavarian beer garden band, uh, which of course is part of this podcast because we obviously bits and pretzels and we are born in Bavaria. Uh, and even Oktoberfest, even that Oktoberfest is not happening, we want to bring a little taste of Oktoberfest to, to this podcast. So I want to raise my glass and want to say uh, cheers, Max. Cheers. Prost. Prost. What are, what are we drinking to? What are we drinking to? I think we're drinking to Bits and Pretzels, obviously, which is just around the corner and which is going to be a great virtual event. But um, I think a, a virtual event um, that everyone can really look forward to. If you could have a beer at Oktoberfest with any person, uh, dead or alive, who would it be? Since I'm really into photography, it, it, it would be a photographer. Um, he or she... Um, I don't actually um, care that much which one because I like to spend with with like creative. I love to spend time with creative people, um, and so could be any Leibovitz, but could also be the aforementioned Ellen Schaller, like like whoever. Um, I'd be very grateful to. Um, and you obviously uh, 
famous as the founder of my muesli, but, um, you know, that was not how it all started, uh, you know, in Passau. You mentioned before that you had a former career or that you started working as a journalist. You obviously wanted also wanted to become a lawyer. So, so, so talk about, you know, the, the your background and, you know, how it led to you becoming uh, one of the co-founders of this company. So I think if you've never been to Passau, like it's, It's as close to a campus university as as one can get in Germany, I think. So if you're if you're from the US, if you, I think that's that's like the kind of university you would be used to. And it's also part of Bavaria, just to mention that to our international audience. Yeah, it's it's also a Bavarian city, very nice city. Got very small, like fifty fifty five thousand people, right. and so the the good what I'm ref, what I'm what I'm coming to is that like when you go there. It's cool because as a campus university, you, you get to meet lots of new people. And I think I wanted to get into journalism because I love to experience new stuff. I, I, love, to, I love to hear stories. I love to dive into topics. I'm, I'm, I'm really nerdy about lots of stuff. And, and, and being nerdy about things, really going, going down those, those tech rabbit holes, for example, like what's a WAV file? Like wh why is there a bit rate? Like wh wh what makes a microphone sound good? That, that's something that really excites me for lots of topics. And, and I think that natural curiosity was like important for me to start that company. But if like, it was also very important that someone As, as Philip, who's so great with numbers, who's, who's such a strategic thinker. So he was the number guy. You were the... I was like the storyteller, the content storyteller. PR guy. And Hubertus, he's, he's like really good at, at tech. Like he, he also programmed our first website, but he's also really great at, at marketing. And, and kind of, I've always said like, I got to do like the, the cool storytelling part where, you, where people say like, did it actually like make a difference in sales? And like, yeah, it felt good. But he was more like the... <laughs> Like the hey, this newsletter has to perform so and so, and 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 really, he's a very also a very strategic thinker. And what I really love about Hubertus is that he he's awesome at kind of challenging the status quo. Like a project would would be worked on for months, and then Hubertus like he looks at it and he's like, we have to go back to square one, and everyone is like, I know he's right, we know he's right, but it ah, and and to be able to you know. At, at like a very very late stage of a project, you kind of pull the trigger and say, "Uh, uh that's kind of really a skill that I, that I that I admire." And this is also a quality you would recommend other founders to develop at some point. I think it's hard to tell. Like it really depends on 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 your venture, you know. But I think what I learned looking at at kind of our team at our constellation is that it's really important to have like a comp complementary skill set you know we weren't three graphic designers who wanted to start a graphic design agency but no one wanted to do the taxes like it's <laughs> the, the cool thing was that like we were all good in a particular area mm -hmm. and it really fit very well together and you never know there was luck involved there was timing involved right. you never know what was it us was it the timing was it what, like there are lots of like the stars have to align you know for, right. for a start to succeed looking back and i'm asking you this as a storyteller of of the company right so so what what do you think were like some things you would have done differently as uh, some things that you would say well founders this is my learnings don't ever do this or do that so, can you share some of, of your experiences here i think that's kind of one of the key learnings from my music for me was advice from hubertus he once said like 
I was I was kind of looking back at lots of things like ah oh, we should have done A instead of B and, and 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 he he was like you should never judge a decision by the information you have now but ask yourself with the information that was presented to me when I kind of made that decision would I still do it that way or was really my decision making was that that incorrect and I think that's it sounds so simple but it's actually great advice like a lot of people for example they will move into a new apartment and be like I should have known about the noisy right. neighbors but you couldn't have known like yeah. don't don't beat yourself up for stuff you couldn't have known and and I think like it's it's really we, we made lots of mistakes obviously but it's as said like having the grit like like really to stick with the startup I think that was really important and I, I, I deeply respect people who start their company like individually because I think that's what co-founders are also for to like pull yourself pull you up when you're down and like the other way around and second like as said don't don't beat yourself up for stuff you couldn't have known many people say that after a while you get burned out and you have to start something new to get you know your creativity going and was this the case uh, with, with you as well or is this something that you kind of thought about um, a lot I think I think that's a common misconception I think that's a common misconception that people think that just because you start something new um, that it's going to be like more exciting because like a mature company a mature startup that has been um, on the market or has been around for years it also you, gives you like tons of tools resources and and like opportunities like there's a marketing team like there are like like we 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 dive deep into like new work and and how to reorganize a company so there is so much to learn And I think, as said, it's a misconception to think that just by starting new, like there's a lot of shitty stuff you have to deal with and you start something new, like, oh, wow, how do I set up G Suite in Google? There used to be someone who is way better at doing that than I am. Oh, I've, okay, let's read a tutorial. So that wasn't the case. And it's it's not about like, hey, this is boring. I need something new, exciting. It's rather about I'm good at like the early stage, smaller stuff, smaller team and Like this is about like really having like a large vision and developing something with like way more people, way more resources and being able to to, to cope with that and being really good at that. And I think that is the, the difference. And our friendship kind of enabled us to to talk about that very openly. And I think, yeah, that is it, it, for me. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a privilege that I was able to to take that step. Um, yeah. When you look back at all the time that you spent in the startup ecosystem, you know, from your perspective as somebody, you know, today with all these experiences, what are like the most, you know, interesting things that kind of change or that kind of, you know, you find curious or interesting, you know, looking back at all these years um, from my perspective and I, you know, just, you know, kicking this off. I think it's really interesting to see how the... German and the European ecosystem is kind of evolving, not only in terms of funding, but also in terms of, you know, scaling. I think there's like a new, you know, way startups are built that are different to, you know, talking, you know, as somebody who has worked and lived in Silicon Valley for a long time. Is this something that you see uh, as well? Of course. I mean, I would definitely say that, like, that the way people look at startups has changed 
dramatically. And which means that, and this is a very personal view, of course, but when we started My Muesli, starting your own company was still kind of like a very unique thing to do. Like it, there wasn't, there weren't like tons of blogs on the topic and, and you didn't have that the kind of same coverage of, of startups you have today. And of course you didn't have all these large companies that kind of evolved during during those last years. And I think as a whole, there are so many more kind of resources out there, people you can talk to, there's a greater, better ecosystem. And I think... Um, people tell me like, oh, it's, it's, it's so fine. It's so hard to find a business model these days because like there's so much, there's so many startups already, but I'm like, every generation keeps saying that, you know, the photographers say like, it used to be so easy, but now it's difficult that there are so many photographers, yet you have Instagram, which kind of you can use to promote your work um, within weeks or months. So I would say, um, there has never been a better time to start a startup. There are new challenges, of course, but on the other hand, I think um, there are way more resources. There's way more stuff out there that helps you to kind of start your mission. Coming to the toolbox right now, which is the part of the podcast where our guests share three tools they find useful for entrepreneurs. Max Wittrock, what would be your three tools? Number one, don't underestimate books and don't underestimate like books. And I'm not talking about the usual, like these top five books you should most definitely. It's more about never stop exploring, like read, talk to people and like, like really experience stories because like it broaden your horizon. Like don't just watch YouTube tutorials on how to start a startup, like read a classic novel from the 70s or 80s, you know, that, uh, that, that that's considered to be a classic. Read, I just read, read uh, Dune by Frank Herber, Herbert, for example. And I think it's a, it's, it's a magnificent book and it, it, it kind of opens your mind to like, like new ideas and, oh, wow, he thought about that in the 60s. That's so great. Number two. My second tool, I think, um, and something I've really learned a lot about at, at my Muesli is like, honest feedback and if you ask people especially in a large corporation are you good at giving feedback of course of course is. Mm -hmm. it's the same with people would be like yeah of course of course i, I know about uh, I, i know about that but to be honest like really being open to feedback like there was a point where where the th we as the three founders where we started to like we talked to a to a coach to a psychologist and she helped us kind of With, with that process, we really talked openly about like last week when we had that call, I, I think that this and this happened and, and this is what, what, what happened to me and, and, and how it felt for me and I would like for the future. To, and at, at first it seems so strange because you kind of have these defense mechanisms right. coming up like, no, you, but yeah. you always. And, and this taught me so much about myself and really about like stuff that I, I didn't even know I was doing and what it was, what it kind of was doing to other people. And it's the small stuff that matters as well. You know, it's not just like, I was never the guy who like stood in the hallway and screamed at people, but it's like smaller stuff, you know, where people like, you keep forgetting to answer emails or stuff like that. Like, and, and that is important too. So honest feedback, like when you start something, really talk about that with your co-founders, with, with like your peers and, and really be honest and, and accept that it's just helping you, you know, to develop as a person. Number three. Number three. The third tool um, 
you should you should definitely look at our to-do lists um and like i do this all the time i'm a big to-do list person and then i forget about it it's really i'm i'm not the best to-do list person but i totally see the point yeah so there's a great book that's called the checklist manifesto and the story behind it is is really that like if you use a checklist like the outcome will be far better like How do you fly a plane as a pilot? Very. Like you have it's these all about large, checklists. It's about checklists, and it's not about like having like a like a thing um, on the wall that says, um, "Don't forget to take the trash out." It's like a small checklist. Like, did I take the trash out? Did I switch off the light? Did I clean the dishes? Did I? And and it sounds so simple, but it's 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 painful when you read it because you're like, I've been doing it wrong for so many years. So right. I think that would be my third two books. <laughs> Coming to the last part already, which is sad because I really like talking to you. It's our either or game. And this is how it works. I give you two words. Uh, you have to choose one uh, and you have to explain real quick why you've made that uh, choice. I'll try my best. Bits or pretzels? Pretzels, because I just love pretzels. In your cereals, raisins or no raisins? Raisins, most definitely love raisins. Because for no good reason, right? Yeah. yeah like, you just you love you you love them or you hate them. I love them. Talking or writing? Writing. I I enjoy writing very much. I I I wish I would be better at it, but I'm I'm still practicing. Traditional transition. Transition, I think, because I love to explore new things. Conquer or compromise? I'm more of the compromise guy. I'm really bad at conflict. Because what what do you do when when there's a conflict? I I try to kind of moderate between two parties as opposed to like really putting like a conflict on the table and really looking at it. And I'm I'm really like trying to be the peacekeeper, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Numbers or ideas? I already know the answer. You would might say ideas because you you are not the number you are the idea person and not the numbers person. I really worked on my Excel skills um, during the last year, so I'm. Better at numbers than I used to be. Philip is probably shaking his head right now, listening to this, and he's like, "He's not good at numbers." But um, so I, I, I will say ideas, but trying uh, the numbers thing. Chaos or order? Both, because um, like I, I tend to be chaotic at times, but I also I'm a very orderly person. It just really depends on kind of the time of the day, the project, and so on. Max Wittrock, thank you so much for coming on the Bits and Butters podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You find all episodes of this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Spread the word and please tell at least five friends about us. We would really appreciate it. Don't ever miss breaking startup news from Munich, Austria and Switzerland again. And learn the latest about what top founders and VCs from the international innovation community we have in store for our event in the fall. Come and visit us at bitsandpretzels.com. Again, that's bitsandpretzels.com. Stay safe and see you next week. 